everyone. Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in from Tirana, a fellow Canadian, a multifamily investor, a podcaster, a YouTube channel guy, a bigger pockets contributor, an overall good guy, Jesse Fregali. How are you doing today, Jesse? Dave, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. My pleasure. So, Jesse, I'm excited because today we're going to be taking a look at one of the deals that you and your team are actually working on right now in the multifamily space in Toronto and what you're doing with this property, how you're adding value to this property and the difference that a couple of years can make. So why don't you give us a little bit of a backstory about the deal that we're we're going to take a look at today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, thanks for having me on. I always uh, enjoy talking to you, Dave. It's uh, it's been too long since last time uh, last time we spoke. Um, so this property, it, it's a multifamily property in Toronto. So we did a capital raise for the property. So, so you know, so just give us an idea. Toronto is yep the most expensive market, I believe, in Canada, right? That or Vancouver, but they're neck and neck. What size of a property was this, and and what are we looking at price point? So if there are, you know, depending on the Canadian market, but for sure, if you have an American listeners on, so the property we acquired for, it was 3.5 million. The, and this is kind of the surprising part. This is a seven unit building. (laughs) Seven units. Yeah. So seven. Got it. And and if we sold it today, it would probably fetch something closer to 5 million. So now I, to caveat that this is a property in Forest Hill, which is one of the most expensive neighborhoods in probably in North America, but certainly in Canada. So it's a little bit of a different animal. I would say that in Toronto, Vancouver, somewhat similar in the 300,000 to 400,000 per unit. Those are pretty average prices, but this one being 500 or six, seven, it's because it's more of a boutique building. So very cool. All right. So this is definitely a, a high end kind of a property, high end area. I guess the question would be is how are you guys adding value on top of that? Yeah. So one of the things was number one, the first, you know, you you make your money when you buy the deal. I think, you know, my relatives, my, number of my relatives told me multiple times and you know, you know, I'm, I'm in brokerage. So my day job is in the um, commercial real estate space. So mm-hmm. One nice aspect of that is when I do prospect as an investor, it's it's not too dissimilar from that in that this was an investor, uh, sorry, this was a vendor I called off market. Uh, wasn't They weren't planning to sell. And I basically you know, laid out the fact that we're acquiring properties like yours. And would you consider an unsolicited offer? No brokers. You know, I'm a broker, but I always tell them no brokers because you know it makes them feel better that they don't have to pay a fee. Right. And uh, that's how th- that was kind of the impetus of of the deal. And so, number one, off market, that was the first aspect of value add. Number two was these were oversized suites, uh, so it's mm. not very common in in Toronto to have an apartment building that has 1,200 square foot, wow. 1,100 square foot suites. So the bones were was something that we thought we could really add value to and there's this kind of term condo quality and you know we have a bit of a, a shadow market in condos you know in Toronto that apartments are our older stock condos are newer so mm. most apartments don't have built-in uh, dishwashers don't have laundry in suite so our value add was to take these older suites renovate them and b- install uh, dishwashers, quartz countertops, basically turn them to condo quality. And 
target a bit of a higher rent uh, than is currently in place. So that that was the kind of value add uh, philosophy with it. All right. So it wasn't necessarily to take seven units and turn them into 10 or 14 units. It was to make the seven units condo quality and increase the the, the rent that you're getting on on those, correct? Yeah, yeah, for, correct. And the thing where we didn't uh, not inqu- inquire or look into the development potential. So one other aspect, if anybody knows uh, Toronto, downtown Toronto, we're Forest Hills right by Eglinton, which is a light rail transit line wow. um, that the feds have put billions of dollars into in, in the province. So a lot of times when you talk about real estate investing, you go to the path of progression, What you know, progression in whether there's an airport, there's transit. So for us, we knew that the stop was literally a hundred meters away from our property. And typically what happens is anything within 500 meters of these stops, the ability to add density to those neighborhoods increases. And we've seen it time and time again. So the idea, and you know, we always, we never assume with development, but the idea was that there was a potential for adding density. We talked to different architects and um, code consultants. They kind of verified that for us without having to go out and you know spend the tens of thousands of dollars. So we kind of put that in our back pocket, didn't right. value the property like that, but it was a nice value add that when we were raising capital, it could be kind of a sweetener potentially to the deal. Very cool. So Jesse, do you mind if I ask you a few questions about, about the deal? Sure. So remind me, how much did you pay for it? In the first place, you got this off market. So, what was the initial price that you paid? Three point five million. Three point five. And what do you think fair market value was for that property? Did you get Did you get a bit of a deal on it because you were able to buy it off market? Well, if you told if you asked the vendors, uh, oh yeah, they away, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I I believe we did because again, being a real estate agent, we were able to pull comps as you know, and, and my other sponsor uh, partner, you know, he would just send me stuff. Look at this one sold for. Look, you know, yeah. you always like counting the money that's that that doesn't exist yet. So. <laughs> But give so, or yeah. take, what do you, what do you think fair market? So, so I think fair market. If if they did a um, competitive process and put it on the MLS or on the market, they could have easily got four million for it. Okay, so you might have created five hundred thousand dollars in instant equity right from the get go, right? Yeah. Nice little cushion there. Excellent. Okay, so what were were all the units the same? Were they all like two bedroom type units? And and what was the rent that was getting charged? Yeah. So what we had was four of those large oversized units that I mentioned, and then two, uh, sorry, three smaller, uh, smaller units. So the rent that was in place, it, it was, it, it, those units, I'm sorry, on the commercial real estate side, I always speak in, you know, per square foot per month. So whether it was, you know, $3 and 50 cents, but to, to make it simpler, those units that were, um, the larger ones, we estimated that we could rent those out for anywhere from 3,200 to 3,700, depending depending on your sensitivity analysis, right? You know, right. perfect scenario versus you know you have trouble with it. What so those 3,500 maybe kind of thing? Yeah, let's yeah say low 3,000s to be conservative. Yeah, those ones were getting rented out anywhere from 1,200 to 1,600. So wow, with, so like so, less than yeah. half. Yeah, and and that's where you know with cap rates, especially prior to. COVID and everything with cap rates so compressed, that little, you know, even $100 times 12, divide that by a three cap or a 3.3, you're starting to add substantial value to the building. Well, yeah. And as, if you're able to double the rent, you're adding, yeah, it's huge. That's a fascinating idea. Hold that thought for a second. 
Hi there, this is Dave DeBow, and real estate investors hire me to raise capital the right way. Why? Because most of them are stuck with too small of a portfolio, and they don't know how to attract investors and raise money for their deals. So I help them to connect, capture, and close their ideal money partners. Bottom line, when you've got a deal, you're going to have the capital to do it. So go ahead and book a no-cost capital clarity session with me at bookachatwithdave.com. Again, that's book at chatwithdave.com. Okay, now here's the other question. Uh, both Ontario and BC are famous for having very, very friendly laws towards tenants, especially Ontario. It's absolutely, it's criminal if you ask me. So you've got all these, I imagine this, this there weren't very many vacancies when you bought this seven unit building, were there? No, there weren't. And so how, is, yeah. how so, so then the question is, Sounds good to go in and renovate and do all this, but doing renovations is very, very difficult to do in Ontario, especially throughout COVID. So how are you able to turn these units around and start getting fair market rent for them? Yeah. Well, first I should say the, the you're absolutely right. I mean, it is a very tenant friendly province. It's not, you know, it's, you, you, I'm sure you're the same. You speak with Americans, depending on the state, you know, you basically, it's like our world in commercial, the end of your contracts, the end of your contract. So we definitely went in with the perspective that that was going to be the biggest operational challenge because there's other things that you can quantify. And, you know, there's this thing where you can eliminate risk, avoid risk, mitigate or reduce. And this is one of those things where it's, it's very difficult because you could have somebody that just decides, they don't want to leave. And then you, there's always the danger, like there are projects where they, um, the tenants start to get political, start calling newspapers or start organizing, which I'm not against organizing, whether it's employees or tenants, but you need to make sure you're doing everything above board. So that is to say the strategy that we came to, and, and this is currently what the majority of people syndicating in Ontario do, if they're doing everything above board is that they are looking at uh, making an agreement with the current tenant and saying that we want to add value to the to the building we want vacant possession in the unit and we want to come to an agreement with you and those agreements basically are are what we consider an end of tenancy agreement and you know whether that's so getting the ca cash for keys kind of thing is what cash I mean. for keys or it could be <laughs> it could be you know, you're going to pay a year of rent at their new location or, or, you know, whatever the way you structure it. Mm -hmm. And you got to be very careful about doing, you know, how you go about this. The last thing we wanted was, you know, our, you know, and being in the Toronto star as, as a landlord, like that, like you said, does a rent eviction. And for those that don't know is, you know, a rent eviction, when I hear that, it's basically you use a not a loophole, but you use the um, if you pull a permit, you can you can have vacant possession of the unit, but you're required to ha to give it back to the tenant after the renovation. And what some unscrupulous landlords have done is use that as a reason to boot somebody. And then, you know, if that person comes back or not, they just re relet the place. And the, the tenant laws are so in favor of tenants that once the tenant leaves, the new tenant basically takes precedent and trying to get that tenant out. It, right. is challenging. So that's that's the way we approach it. And it, it, there's pretty substantial numbers and you really need to figure that out in your uh, in your analysis. And, and Oh, for sure. Because I mean, if you if you got seven people that you you got to pay a full year's rent for at fair market rents, let's say whatever, twenty five hundred, three thousand bucks a, a month each times 
12 times seven. I mean, my math's not that good, but that's a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. All yeah, right. It can, it, it can run away from you very quickly. And that's why, uh, and, and also too, I think, um, especially in, in our part of the world and, I think in just any environment like this, that, that it is in favor of the tenants, the tenants, they're not, they're, they're starting to get savvier and they realize that if, if you're paying me 10, 15, if you're offering at the outset, $10,000, I probably can get a lot more than that. There must be a large value at, and it's, it is unfortunate because the last thing that I've talked to every landlord I talk to, they don't want to do things for the most part, the landlords that are running their investments as an investment business. They don't want to have a situation where they're doing backdoor deals. It would be easier to have a clearer understanding of the laws and do things above board, but we operate in this uh, environment. And I think it's the reason that a lot of people will turn away from Ontario because it's the precariousness of, you know, one, one politician comes in and then they make a few laws here and then another one, and then they flip. So yeah, it's challenging, but it's the world we live and, in. And, and then they wonder why there's a housing shortage, right? Who the hell wants to be a, a landlord when it's so in favor? We've got this huge asset that we spend millions of dollars on, yet, you know, you, the government takes your control away from it. I mean, it's... Well, and, and that's the, uh, I think, you know, the, the government here where they um, basically said that there were, you couldn't raise um, over a certain amount, which is kind of our law now. It somewhat tracks to inflation. Used to. Very, yeah. very now, different now. Now inflation's gone up too high. They can't do that anymore. Yeah. So, and I mean, what happened was then they said, <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll carve out for new developments because what they found was developers are like, well, wait a minute, we're not going to build anything. Yeah. And so, Yeah. Yeah. So this particular deal, the seven plex. Yeah. What did it look like? When did you get into it? How far along the process are you now? What's changed? What stayed the same throughout the whole process? Yeah. So geopolitical unrest in the Ukraine, global pandemic, a couple, a couple things. So you, to, so you got this like right before COVID hit? No, it wasn't right before COVID. It was, um, I believe the close was July last year, but you, you know how these things go. If right. The, the negotiation happened way, you know, much, you know, the acquisition or finding the property was when we were in a different, a different world. Right. And yeah, I think what, what changed was, well, number one, we knew right off the bat, if you remember the beginning of COVID rental rates paused and it, if they started to go down and even though asset values remained high, we started to think, okay, maybe say just as an example, a $75,000 or a hundred thousand dollar renovate renovation to make it the Taj Mahal and get these really, really high premium rents. Maybe that's not achievable anymore. So should we go a $60,000 renovation and go with a B kind of, you know, instead of the high end, but more of a, like, we're trying to figure out where that sweet spot was for, you know, bang for a buck. So that was number one. Well, that should be number two, because number one was the back to the aspect of, of not looking like just a landlord that is kicking people out is that we're now in a pandemic and you know, I'm sure it's colder out by you and in some of the, in some of the cities closer to you, but it gets very cold in Toronto uh, as well. And we're coming into the winter and we're in a pandemic. So this idea of going through our negotiation process with tenants, it just wasn't the right time. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, we, we didn't want to start the relationship like that, especially in that environment. So that, that just, we, we had to put that on hold and we had to adjust to that. The, the biggest one right now, as you know, not surprisingly is interest rates, mm-hmm. right? Because when, when we're doing these type of deals, we're not getting stabilized debt right at, 
out at the outset, right? Because we want to do these renovations and we want to increase the value of the property. So right. whatever that debt is, a year, two year, our case and majority of cases, you're going to have, uh, excuse me, variable debt. So that's something that we're very happy that we raised as much as we did to just be careful and have reserves in case we have a situation like we do now. So those are the kind of the big ones. And, you know, talk to me in a year, I'll, I'll tell you if there's, if there's any others. So how, how are you in the process of getting these units turned around? So we've, we've turned over one unit so far renovated. Yeah. So that one, we put a tenant in and that was one of the smaller units. Then we have two tenants um, that are, that we have negotiated with um, to have vacant possession of those units. And we are, you know, it's funny, we were a little worried we weren't going to start this process as well as we did once we decided to go down this road where now we're just kind of holding off right now because, you know, we want to have a capital preservation and we want to be careful because, you know, these renovations, they don't grow on trees, right? So you have to not just pay, come to an agreement, but you're putting out quite a bit of capital. So right now, I think what we're trying to do is just be very prudent with our capital. And that's kind of where we're at right now. And I think we're, we feel like we're in a good spot right now and uh, we're going to keep pressing on with the renovations. And I guess uh, to your question before, the other piece is construction, Hmm. you know, supply chain, everything's taking twice as long. A lot of things are costing. Yeah. Yeah. The old (laughs) construction twice as long and twice as much. So I think we're, we're just, we're trying not to roll too quickly because a lot is happening and we just want to be uh, you know, prudent about it. Yeah. Fascinating stuff, Jesse. Well, thank you so much for sharing this case study with us. I think we got a lot of good value and nuggets out of your experience. So thank you for sharing that. And if people want to find out more about you, check you out, listen to your podcast, which I highly recommend, what should they do? Yeah. You can go to uh, iTunes, Spotify, Working Capital, the Real Estate Podcast. I post um, different videos from bigger pockets that I've been on, or sometimes I'll post uh, the full length video if I think it's it's a value add on YouTube. So Jesse Fergali. And um, yeah, I mean, just Google my name if you want to reach out. If you have any questions, I'm always happy to chat about real estate. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Jesse. And thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode. And we'll see you on the next one. Well, hey there, thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, Investor attractionbook.com. Take care.